Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the FCB Market Watch. I am Dino Nyambu. I am the head of trading here at First Capital Bank, Zambia. Dollar quarter last week on spot opened around 17.07, closed around 17.22. Trading range 17.05 to 17.35. So in spite of the fact that we had some FX support from the central bank of an estimated figure of around $51 million in conjunction to those anticipated end-month corporate FX sales, we saw sustained quarter weakness predominantly due to energy sector demand. Your offshore spot level opened at around 17.275, closed at 17.775, trading range pretty wide, 17.2 on the downside to 17.85 on the top side. In spite of that tight funding that we mentioned last week with regards to the overnight liquidity being priced at around 110% overnight in the offshore space, you continue to see that price in terms of your offshore spot level trending higher and now you also have a widening divergence between the onshore and the offshore spot and that tends to usually be a sign that further weakness could be on the cards for the onshore spot price this week onshore spot last two days we've seen a move higher currently end of day yesterday 17.275 offshore spot end of day yesterday 17 sorry at around 18 so just a bit of a sidebar in terms of your april average for your dollar quacha 17.366 in terms of your may average that was lower at 17.042 in terms of your trading range for april dollar quacha onshore 16.95 to 17.81 in terms of the may trading range 16.91 to 17.225 so over the last two days we've seen fx sales from the central bank estimated at around um, $8.5 million on Monday and $12.2 million on Tuesday. That takes May FX interventions to around $132.7 million. Notably, that's up from $90 million that we estimate was sold in April from the central bank. So in terms of the dynamics, still seeing some strong FX demand onshore as well as increased bidding from offshore players. So although we still see the dollar quarter pairs contained over the next few months, in the short term, we are seeing a few signs that there could be a bit more pressure to the upside. The dollar quarter pair has broken above its 200-day simple moving average, as well as broken above the downward trending line from that July 21 or July 2021 high of 22.7. Also, Another thing to consider why we could see a bit more weakness on the cards for the quarter, we don't typically see strong FX sales from corporates at the start of the month. The next window of strong corporate FX support is likely going to come next week when mid-month tax conversions commence around the 10th of June. So in terms of key level to watch, 17.4 is that key level to watch with regards to this move to the top side. That's a level we're going to watch over the next few trading sessions. A break of 17.4 does open up a move to 17.550. Beyond that 17.55, the next resistance levels to watch on the top side are at 17.65 and 17.8. The new tight trading range we think is around 16.95 to 17.4 and the new wider trading range we now think is between 16.6 and 17.55. That said, even though there could still be some pressure to the upside for now, we still maintain our end of June target of 15.8. We still think a confluence of factors could potentially drive a move lower in that end June to early July period. Specifically, we're talking about a positive trigger from the successful conclusion of IMF negotiations, which could spur 
some foreign portfolio investment inflows, as well as the fact that remember July is a provisional tax month, like January, like April, like October. So we do anticipate that we are going to see increased tax conversions in that period due to half year provisional tax payments, which start falling due on the 10th of July. Moving on to interest rates, last week bond auction under subscriber 67% bid cover ratio. Auction results largely in line with our expectation for a weaker subscription due to weak offshore interest as a result of the current global investment climate, which is not really conducive for duration trades. Yields unchanged across most of the curve, 3-year 20%, 5-year 22.5%, 7-year 24.5%, 10-year 25.25%, 15-year 26%. The only change was the 2-year bond yield, which was 35 basis points lower at 17.5%. In terms of what was rejected, 245 million.81 uh, Quacha was rejected in cash bids in the five-year and seven-year buckets due to unfavorable bidding yields of 25% and 26% respectively. So in total, the government raised 1.5 billion Quacha. This takes net domestic financing to 3.1 billion as at the end of May against the target in that 2022 budget of around 10.2 billion as at the end of May. So there is a net, there is a shortfall with regards to your net domestic financing of around 7 billion quarter. Domestic financing pressure is increasing and the government may only be able to keep rejecting auction bids for a short while longer. To achieve net domestic financing targets, the government will now need to raise around 7.87 billion quarter per month from future domestic auctions in 2022. Compare that to the fact that issuance stands at around 6.6 billion quarter per month. So that 7.87 billion is above the issuance amounts that we have every month. So that is what we mean that there is pressure with regards to net domestic financing. That said, even though pressure with regards to net domestic financing would typically imply that there is pressure to the upside for bond yields, given that we expect an IMF deal over the next two months or so will underpin renewed foreign portfolio investment inflows in the second half of this year, for now we still see the upside for bond yields as limited. Looking at bond yields on the secondary market over last week, particularly after the auction, 60 basis points lower on average. Key thing here, there's still better value for two-year to five-year bonds on the secondary market compared to the auction results last week. Moving on to liquidity, quarter liquidity end of last week, 4.4 billion. This week, we've got T-bill and bond maturities of around 709 million. Then you've got bond settlements of 1.5 billion from that Friday auction. That will take liquidity to around 3.6 billion. So in terms of what we anticipate, quarter liquidity should range somewhere between 3.1 billion to 4.1 billion ahead of the T-bill auction this Thursday. Moving on to the economic calendar. Well, last week on Thursday, we had inflation and trade data focusing on inflation, May headline inflation down to 10.2% year on year from 11.5% year on year in April. On a monthly basis, the May headline inflation increased to 0.8% month on month from 0.7% month on month in April. The predominant driver of the decrease in that annual headline figure remains base effects. In terms of food inflation in May, that was down to 12.3% year-on-year from 14.1% year-on-year in April. On a monthly basis, food inflation decreased to 0.9% month-on-month in May from 1.1% month-on-month in April. And that's predominantly on the back of a reduction in prices of meats, fruits, vegetables, maize grain, and millet meal. Non-food inflation in May, also down 7.5% year-on-year in May from 8.2% year-on-year in April. However... 
on a monthly basis, May non-food inflation increased to 0.8% month-on-month from 0.1% month-on-month in April due to increase in prices of garments, takeaway foods, and personal care products. In terms of our view for inflation, not a significant change. We still see single-digit inflation prevailing over the next three months or so. That said, we now expect headline inflation in terms of that annual figure to bottom out at 9.1% year-on-year in June and then rise to 10.6% year-on-year in September and then higher again to 12.6% year-on-year in December. This is largely due to our anticipation that we're going to see a rise in energy costs as well as the fact that we see limited downside for food prices over the next few months with regards to after effects of that delayed rain for the planting season. In terms of the central bank activity, what we think, monetary policy, still pricing in 100 basis points, hiking the Bank of Zambia policy rate to 10% by year end 2022. Looking at the trade figures, in spite of a moderation in capital goods imports, which we expected, total imports were modestly higher to to 715.2 million dollars in april from 707.1 million dollars in march and that's predominantly due to robust consumer goods imports which increased to 196.5 million dollars in april from 173.5 million dollars in march if you look at the four months to april total imports are 45.2 percent year on year higher to 2.6 billion or 11 percent of gdp Looking at the export figures, well, total exports decreased to $940.4 million in April from $1.04 billion in March, predominantly due to reduced copper exports. So copper exports in April were down to 67.3 thousand metric tons from 77.4 thousand metric tons in March. In the four months to April, copper exports are down 5.2% year on year to 297.8% thousand metric tons if you compare last year uh, in from january to april 2021 those copper exports were 314.2 thousand metric tons so that does suggest that local copper production is lagging of course this doesn't bode well for the mining sector activity copper production could be lagging for a number of factors but one of them could obviously be due to some working capital constraints affecting some of the mines that said with regards to the long term Our view also hasn't changed with regards to mining sector activity. We still see the sector growing vigorously or robustly on account of increased private or increased foreign direct investment. Just coming back to the total exports, in the four months to April, total exports 13.3% year-on-year higher to $3.9 billion or 16.3% of GDP. So in terms of a view, although imports are rising faster than exports, which does not bode well for the current account balance, we still anticipate that upside inflationary risks in the second half of the year will impede a more significant upswing in consumer demand and moderate a material rise in consumer goods imports. Furthermore, although international fertilizer prices will likely be higher on an annual basis, we expect capital goods imports to decrease this year, particularly in the second half of the year, We expect capital goods imports to decrease in absolute terms as the government rationalizes agricultural subsidies. Remember, in the budget this year, the government is uh, budgeting or targeting to spend around $310 million compared to $510 million that was spent in 2021. As a result, 
we maintain our focus for the current account surplus to reach $2.1 billion or 7.4% of GDP at year end. In terms of uh, economic calendar as well, last week we had the bond auction on Friday. I've obviously mentioned those results previously. This week, well, yesterday we had the fuel price adjustment. Going into that adjustment, our calculations, we saw that on average fuel prices would be adjusted lower by 1.26% across petrol, lower sulfur, low sulfur diesel and kerosene. With regards to the actual adjustment, well, 3.3% higher in terms of your petrol prices but lower sulfur diesel and kerosene prices were not adjusted because they did not trigger an adjustment they were within that plus minus 2.5 percent adjustment threshold so in terms of on average around 1.1 percent increase on average across the board on thursday we've got a t-bill auction so government will be looking to raise two billion kwacha we think that they'll actually be very successful we think this auction is going to be fully subscribed Reason for that is because we see liquidity being ample. I mentioned liquidity around 3.1 billion to 4.1 billion ahead of that T-bill auction, as well as the fact that domestically within the financial sector, with asset creation still lagging, you will still likely see some of the domestic banks continue to bid in the T-bill auction to get yield on their books. So in terms of the yields, we don't expect the yields to be lower. And we also still don't expect the yields to be significantly higher. We're looking at yields in this particular auction remaining relatively unchanged across the curve. In terms of those last auction levels, your three months was a 9.3%, your six months was a 10.5%, your nine months was a 10.95%, and your 12 months was a 13.75%. Finally, we've got on Friday, you've got your IHS market. IHS market is now part of the S&P Global. You've got that May PMI release. We, in terms of our expectation, we expect the PMI to increase in May to 51.1 from 50.5 in April and 49.6 in March. But just a bit of a comment here. While consumer demand is recovering, I did mention those consumer goods imports being higher. That does bode well for private sector activity and overall growth. But remember, there are upside inflationary risks over the horizon that could derail business activity in the second half of this year. Just cycling back to dollar kwacha, closed yesterday around 17.275 in terms of the onshore spot level, offshore spot level at around 18. That divergence with regards to offshore spot, onshore spot tends to be a leading indicator that you could see further weakness for the onshore spot level on the cards, at least over the next few trading sessions. 17.4 remains a key level to watch on the top side. Should we break that, does open up a move to 17.55 and beyond that, 17.65, 17.8. That said, even though we might see some weakness over the next few trading sessions, in terms of our view or our end of June target, still at 15.8, predominantly because we think that end June to early July period, we could have a positive trigger with regards to a successful conclusion of IMF negotiations, as well as the fact that we expect increased tax conversions in that period due to half-year provisional tax payments due on the 10th of July. So that's it for us this week. Do join us again next week. I am Dino Nyambu, and I am the head of trading here at First Capital Bank, Zambia.